I just want to share with you what I feel is on my heart for ACF for this year, abundant fruitfulness. Was that okay? So abundant fruitfulness. I just want to touch on something with you because I am uh, more and more seeing certain things. But the thing that I want to share with you <laughs> is that every year we endeavor to determine God's plan and purpose for us for that year. And there are certain things that are a constant. And then there are other things that maybe God just wants to emphasize or take us in a particular direction. You understand what I'm saying? And there might be little emphasis within, but I want you to understand that God is a God that's working with a plan. Is it okay? And very often here in South Africa, we say a burma, a plan. But I want to tell you, God's got the plan. Is that okay? So God has a plan and God has a purpose for our lives and he's working extremely intentionally. And I mean, you don't have to read much into the Bible to discover that and realize that right from the beginning, he knew that he was going to be sending Jesus to die for us. It was an internal thing that he knew to redeem us and to save us. And so I like what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 says, and I'm reading in the NIV translation. It says this, talking about us, that he says, we having been predestined according to the plan of him. So in other words, he has a plan. And we were predestined according to that plan. Is that okay? So the exciting thing is, is that you're not here randomly. Peter says, by the will of a man and a woman. But you're not here randomly. You're here by the very specific plan and purpose of God. Amen? And we are born into this generation by that same plan. We are not born in another time. Isn't that good? And so having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of that plan. But yeah, Paul uses the word will. In conformity or in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So I'm reading verse 11. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So there's God's will, there's God's purpose, there's God's plan. It's the same thing. And so I want you to know that from even before you were born, and then particularly even before you were born again, God already had a plan. God already had a purpose. And the amazing thing is because God is outside of us and because he's God and because he's omnipotent and omniscient and all of those things, he can work everything out so that his purpose in our lives should be fulfilled. Now, I'm going to qualify that statement in a moment, but I just more or less wanted you to see that God has got a plan. So God's overall plan and purpose remains the same. It's the same in 2023 as it was in 2022, as it was in 2021, as it was in 2020. Amen? So it's the same. There's no different plan. And, you know, we hear a lot of people, and Facebook and social media is a wonderful thing. But it's, it's incredible how everybody's a prophet now, you know, on social media. And they get onto social media. This is going to be here of, and this is going to be here of, and this is going to be here of, and this is going to be here Now, I just want to tell you, it's going to be the same this year as it was last year and the year before and the year before. God's plan remains the same. Is that okay? It's going to be the same. And somebody's got to be brave enough to say it, and I'm volunteering for that. 
And so his plan and purpose remains the same. And it's expressed by the Gospels quite clearly, particularly the Gospel of Mark. And um, in the Gospel of Mark, and you know, I'll just touch on a couple of things, but all of the Gospels, they focus on the person of Jesus and then his messianic mission. And then they also focus on the fact of Jesus coming. We need to be discipled and to walk in faith. We need to respond to him. Amen. But all of the Gospels, and I love Mark, Mark's Gospel, because Mark's shortest Gospel, Mark very much emphasizes the kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, same thing. And so I love it in the little sort of bio before you get into the book of Mark. In the Passion Translation says this, it's time for God's kingdom to be experienced in its fullness. And he's saying, that's what Mark is writing about. Now, I want to tell you that from the time of Mark to now, that has not changed. Amen. Amen. It's time for God's kingdom to be experienced in its fullness. Jesus announced at the beginning of his ministry, turn your lives back to God and put your trust in this hope-filled gospel. As with the other gospel, God's kingdom realm takes center stage in Mark from the beginning where his opening stanza summarizes the good news Jesus brought. Later in chapter 4, Mark summarizes the entire ministry of Jesus and its effect with the terms kingdom. So Jesus came, disciples came, John the Baptist came saying, repent, change your mind, turn around, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen? So God has got a purpose, and that's kingdom. And it's not new to the New Testament. It was there right throughout the Old Testament. When they said, we want an earthly king. Samuel was in mourning. Samuel was depressed. And God said, listen, cheer up. They didn't reject you. They rejected me as the king. It started off as a kingdom. And then they took an earthly king. So it's been God's intention all the time, a king with a kingdom. And of course, when Jesus was born, the king was born. And so the kingdom is the backdrop. The kingdom is the background. The kingdom of God is the context to what we're talking about. So when we come to facing another new year, God's purpose and plan still is his kingdom. Everybody with me? So I'm carrying on reading. This is the Passion Translation. The world is brought under God's kingship in and through the work of Jesus. For Mark, the kingdom realm is already dramatically in the present, yet fully experienced in the future and over time. It's surprising and small, yet powerful and great. Beyond understanding for many, yet accessible to all. And calls people to a radical new way of living and challenges every human value. That's the kingdom. Jesus put it another way. He could have also said, and I will build my kingdom. But he said, because the church is the expression of the kingdom, he says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now, that was true last year. It's still true this year. Nothing's changed. Amen? But the wonderful thing about months and times and seasons and things like this is the Christmas period and coming into the new year gives us time to pause and reflect and meditate and to listen to God afresh. Amen? And to hear from God in just a fresh way. The overall plan doesn't change. But he might want us to do certain things differently or do things that we haven't done before 
or bring in a different emphasis. Am I making sense to you all? So you're all happy? And so let me just talk about, so you understand that the context is kingdom. Okay, so let's just have a look at other things concerning that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to read from verses 24 to 26 in the King James Bible, the Apostle Paul, that great chapter of 1 Corinthians 15, is talking about the resurrection of the dead. Basically talking about the importance of understanding. It's vital to understand that Jesus actually did rise from the dead. He was dead. He wasn't just, he didn't just fainted or passed out or was in a coma. He was dead. Because there's some theories that teach that. It's called the swoon theory. But he actually died. And then he was resurrected. And uh, it's really interesting that Jesus said in the Gospel of John, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take it up again. I mean, what incredible authority. Amazing, eh? And then Paul is talking about it in 1 Corinthians 15, just establishing the resurrection from the dead. But listen to what he says in verse 24. Once every body has received the transformation, you know, and, and our bodies, physical bodies, will be transformed, he says, then the end will come. So there is an end. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, and uh, John says it in the book of Revelation. He says, now the kingdoms of this world are the kingdoms of our God and his Christ, and he shall reign forever. Amen. Amen. So there we are. He will come. He hands over the kingdom to God the Father. Listen, and everyone in the kingdom. Because Psalm 2, I will give you the heathen as your inheritance. Is that okay? So now he's got all the kingdoms of the world, the heathen, converted, like us already. And uh, so he takes the kingdom and all in the kingdom. And listen, you know, it's us. Everything in the kingdom is us. It's people. Amen. And then he takes it and then he presents it to the Father. And he says, this is your inheritance. This is what you gave me as inheritance. Here it is. And he presents it back. But listen to this. After he has destroyed all dominion, all authority, and all power. In other words, there will be no more sin, no more sickness. And the devil will be completely destroyed. Is that okay? And then, and that's at the end. And then he says, okay, Father, here it is. Isn't that good? So that's still God's plan. Amen. He's ruling and reigning. Paul tells us that the heavens are retaining him and keeping him, you know, and for a specific reason. We'll have a look at it now. And so he continues To say this, he must reign, verse 25, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Now, for the very smart ones, if you connect that to Ephesians chapter 2, the last few verses, he says that he will raise us up, he will fill us to be his very own fullness, and he will put all things under his feet or our feet, which is his body. Is that okay? And so he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, but we are his body. So all enemies will be under our feet. And so then in verse 26, here it comes. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Everybody say, the last enemy is death. Okay, it's not finances. It's not poverty. It's not unbelief. It's the final result of Adam and Eve's rebellion, the last enemy to be destroyed is what? In other words, 
when we have conquered death is when the end is, when he hands everything back. Amen? Now, is that still God's plan? Yes, because there are still people dying. Isn't that right? And so it's still God's plan. The end has not come. And so he's ruling and reigning in and through us, and we are kings and priests on earth. And once we see death defeated and we are no longer dying, and uh, that lost enemy is under our feet, that is when he has fully inherited the kingdom even through us. And then with us, he presents it to the Father. Amen. Amen. Amen? So that's still ongoing, church. Yes. Are you all good? Yes. And so that's part of the bigger picture. There's one or two other things before I jump into the actual message. But listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 2.67. And God raised us up with Christ. This is the NIV. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Why? Well, there's many reasons. One of them is that in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In other words, we were raised up, seated with him in the heavenly realms, and what God is doing is showing off with us to the world the incredible riches of his kindness and his mercy in us. Amen? That hasn't changed. He's still doing that. Amen? Where the world looks at us and marvels and goes like, yeah, why are they so blessed? Why are they so favored? Why are they so well? Why are they so healed? Why are they experiencing blessing and miracles? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Next chapter, in verses 10 to 11, he says this. His intent, in other words, God's purpose, God's plan. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not only is he showing us off to the world, but all the rulers and authorities and powers, the domain of darkness and the leaders of the world. He's showing, look at my wisdom. Look at this wisdom. Look at this wisdom of God. Paul said Christ has become for us wisdom from God. If the rulers of this world had known they would never crucify the Lord of glory. So God is showing off his wisdom. I mean, how wise is it? Salvation. I mean, the wisdom of God. Who would have ever thought of that? And it's ours simply by faith, by believing in Jesus. Amazing. Amazing. Anyway, it's amazing to me. That's the overarching one. But let's just boil it down to you and I. Bring it down to us. Bring it down to us sitting here this morning. What is it for us individually, his purpose and plan? It's great his kingdom. It's great his wisdom. It's great all of those things. His grace and mercy is being revealed through us. But what about his specific plan for me? So Paul, in Ephesians 4, he talks about the fact that Jesus ascended. He was the same one who descended. And, um, but when he ascended and he took captivity captive and as he was ascending, the Bible says he gave gifts to men. And then he explains those gifts. And I don't know, some of those who are these gifts have got good big heads about it. You know, as if they did it. No, Jesus did it. 
And it says he gave gifts to men. And he says he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Now you get people with those titles, especially the first two, the apostles and the prophets, that somehow they think they're the savior. You know, they, God's great gift. No, but there are evangelists and there are pastors and there are teachers. Is that okay? Everybody following me? And he says, and he gave gifts to men. Now listen, you know, those gifts, the ministry gifts, are not the end purpose. The end purpose, I'm coming to it. But you can't strut around and say, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet, I'm a... You can't strut around because Jesus did it. In other words, you know, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers, it says when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. So what he did was he disinvested himself, the ministry that he has, and he put it into people, and he said, now you're an expression of me. Because I'm going to build a church, but I'm giving you these giftings, and you will help me build the church, but you're under me. Is that okay? So any apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, the gift that they have is only a reflection of him. Are you all with me? So you can't get a big head. <laughs> you can't act all important like you, you know, you're the latest and the greatest. God's man of power for the hour and all that kind of thing. It's all him. It's his grace. Are you with me, church? So listen to the purpose for which Jesus did this because he's working with a plan. It says this, he gave those gifts for what? And we're looking now at verse 12 to 13. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Three things, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I mean, it's awesome. I'm reading from the King James. So listen, for the perfecting of the saints. So in other words, in 2023, God's specific plan for you is your perfection. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. Because he has a work for you to do. Amen. For the edification of the body of Christ. That's going to come through you as a person. Till. Until. And this is going to go on. Until. This is going to keep going. Until. So it's going to keep going into 2024, 2026, 2027. Until we come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. I love it. Unto a perfect man or perfect woman, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Come on, ACO. So what is God doing? The context is the kingdom. Is that okay? He's going to be displaying His mercy and His wisdom and His power and all of those. He's going to be showing it off to the demonic realm and all of those kind of things. But with you... He's working specifically in your life, in church, outside of church. He's working with you to bring you to the perfect man, to the full measure of the full stature of Christ. Is that good? I want to tell you, we are not near the end of the world. Because the until hasn't finished. Amen? It hasn't finished until we all, all the churches, come to the unity of the faith. And the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature, unto the perfect man, Jesus Christ. Are you all with me? So there's an until. There's an until. And so all this year, God is going to be working this 
This is his plan. This is his purpose. Amen. But I want to take it down another step. I want to bring it down a little bit further. So I like very much Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 1 because you and I know that the promised land, the land of Canaan, was also called the land of promise. It's really interesting how in the New Testament it talks about all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. You and I all know that the Holy Spirit was called the spirit of promise. And so what was a physical, geographical country in the Old Testament is now in Christ in the new. Is that okay? And a territory, a location, a geography was the inheritance of the Jews, but it's no longer in Christ. Our territory, our possession, our inheritance is Christ himself. Are you all with me? So we can take things out of the old like that and parallel it to the new. So there's it in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 1. So this is Moses talking to them and he says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that you may. And then he gives us the first four things. That you may what? Live. Now how many of you want to live? And now you know that Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Amen. We don't want to exist. We want to live. Amen. And he says that you may live, that you may multiply. The NIV says increase. Okay. Now, how many of you want to increase? Increase in wisdom, increase in... You want to increase. So that you may live, that you may increase, that you may go in. The NIV says that you may enter. There's a lot of people, a lot of Christians standing outside of the kingdom of God. The doors are wide open. Maybe they're standing in the doorway. And the invitation of Jesus is enter. <laughs> Go in. Don't hover in the foyer. You know, the foyer of the kingdom is really crowded. But there are certain things that give us access and give us entrance into the kingdom. So he says, so that you may live, you may increase, you may enter. And then the last one is, and possess the land that the Lord your God promised you. Possess it. Amen. Possess it. Possess it. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of chasing things. I want to possess it. Amen. I'm tired of pressing in. I want to possess. You know, we often talk about that. That's part of our language. And you say, no, you've got to keep going. We need to keep going. We've got to enter. We've got to get enter in. This year I'm going to enter. No, no, I want to get to the place now where I possess it. Are you following me? I want to possess it. I want to possess healing. I want to possess prosperity. I want to possess joy. I want it to be part of me, who I am. But notice the condition. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you. Let's put it into New Testament language. Be careful to obey His Word. Amen? If we obey His Word, all of those things are true. So I'm boiling it down. I'm coming all the way down. And I'm coming to a place that is now called John chapter 15. If you go with me to John chapter 15, and we just look at verse 1. And so there are things that are going to follow you into 2023 from 2022. I believe that your prayers, things that you've interceded for, things that you've prayed for will follow you into 2023. The answers are still coming. You understand what I'm saying? 
Your sowing, I was teasing earlier, but your sowing is going to follow you into 2023. I love what it says, and Andre touched on it before, and he really opened my eyes to this particular verse. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'm not sure which verse it is. It might be verse 6, 6 or 8. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown. And I like this. And increase the fruits of your righteousness. Increase the fruits of your... So you will multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. And basically, Paul is making a double statement there. And we were chatting on a subject one day, and Andre just began to talk about... If you look through in Hebrew, and and particularly with the Jews, their works of righteousness were many things. But in particular, it was their giving. And an integral part of their giving was not only their tithes and their offerings for the work of the ministry, was their giving even to the poor. And so those were the works of righteousness. And so a very interesting verse. Did everybody get that? So he will multiply your seed sown. And not only that, but he will then increase the fruits of your righteousness. So there's a lot of righteous actions that you did in 2022 that's going to follow you and manifest in 2023. Is that okay? So I'm talking about something. What I'm sharing today is I'm not saying that you have not done any of these things in 2022, but we need to be more intentional in 2023 because of the purpose and plans that God has for us specifically as a church. Are you all good? And so he says this in John chapter 15, verse 1, and I'm switching between three translations. First of all is NIV. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. It's really interesting that when Jesus said this, he was speaking to his disciples, and they were in the vicinity of Jerusalem, and the temple was in sight. And the Jews, the Jewish leaders, and hence the disciples, believed that the temple was the vine. And then them being part of the temple would be the way to fruitfulness. And they say that on Herod's temple, on the buildings, on the walls outside, a huge vine was carved in relief on the temple with huge bunches of grapes hanging down. And probably when he's talking to the disciples, they're looking past him at the temple. And Jesus is saying, I'm the vine. And my father is the gardener. They're going, You? (laughs) And it's one of the reasons why it was destroyed. Do you know they also used to call Jerusalem the kingdom of heaven? That's what they call it. The Jews called Jerusalem the kingdom of heaven. Then the kingdom of heaven got burnt down. And that's why Jesus said, repent, because the kingdom is at hand. And he said, listen, listen, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then you know that the kingdom is amongst you. So he's going like, I'm the vine. You are the branches. And my father is the gardener. I just love it. Now, 
So very quickly, we're going to go to the Passion Translation. Listen to this. It's very different. John chapter 15, verse 2, I've referred to this before, but a verse that caused a lot of concern. So John chapter 15, verse 2 in the NIV or the King James, verse 2, I haven't written it down. There we are. Listen to this. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Now, a lot of people read that and go like, oh, my goodness. You know, I'm not bearing fruit. I better bear fruit quickly because otherwise he's going to cut me off. And uh, that's a very unfortunate translation because he doesn't cut off branches. Branches are valuable to the vine. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now I'm going to read that verse in the Passion Translation. Listen to this. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches. If you go to the original Greek where it says he cuts off every branch, it actually means he lifts up every branch. So listen, what is the purpose? The purpose over there is that he lifts up every branch. If there's no fruit, he lifts it up. He gives it more and extra care and tends to it even more intimately. And then the branches that are bearing fruit, he goes, okay, so there's areas of non-fruitfulness and he trims it you know, with his pruning shears. But what is the purpose? That it will be what? Even more fruitful. Come on, church. This is the theme that I feel for 2023, that it's going to be a year of abundant fruitfulness. It's going to be a year of fruitfulness. It's going to be a year of fruitfulness. So you can say abundance. Listen to what Jesus says. So in other words, he's going to care for, he's going to clean it up. I like what Pastor Charles van der Linde told me one day, because I was preaching a message on dust. He said, you know, I was driving through an orange orchard on a farm, and he said, when I went through the gate, there was big boards that said, drive slowly, dust kills. And so they didn't want people to come racing in amongst the orange trees because the dust would rise and settle on the leaves, and then it couldn't be productive for the tree. And so often they would wash them. And the same with a vine dresser, he will wash the leaves, clean the leaves, going like, oh, my goodness, this one's hanging down, and it won't produce when he lifts it up and ties it up, props it up, because his intention is more fruit. So then he turns around to the disciples and he's going, okay, but I want you to know you guys are clean already. I've cleaned you up. I've already cleaned you. And so what I'm saying is the same thing to you is that you don't have to get clean. He has cleaned you. But how did he clean you? Well, he tells us in verse 3, he says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. In John chapter 17, he prays and he says to the Father, he said, Father, I've given them your word, and they received your word. So he says to them, you're already clean because you've accepted my word. But what I need to do is do some vine dressing just to keep making you much more fruitful. In 2023, I am persuaded that God is working with greater intentionality greater focus on the purpose and the plan that he has for our lives to bring forth fruit. Because of his own will, his own purpose, his own plan, but I am persuaded also that God wants to show off his church, 
the manifold wisdom of God in his church, the power in his church to a nation that is in great decline. Amen. One of the young pastors that I'm mentoring phoned me and he said, man of God, he said, we're having crossover service tonight. He said, I need you to pray for me, lay hands on me, anoint me with oil. Where are you? And I said, well, I'm at home preparing. He said, oh, okay, don't worry. And I said, no, no, come. He drove all the way from Randburg, come here to the church. And I met him here at about quarter past three. We sat for nearly two hours just talking and sharing. And eventually, him and I, we were on our knees here. And I'm anointing him with oil and praying for him. And we just speaking miracles, healing, signs, wonders, and, and, and all of this kind of thing. So he's just planted a church in Ivory Coast. He's originally from Ivory Coast. But he was telling me that he was invited to a meeting in Pretoria. He said to me, Prophet, I've never experienced anything like it. He says, so I go there to preach. He said, the power of God was so strong. He said, there are ambassadors there, not only from my own nation, but from other nations in East Africa. Ambassadors, embassy officials, embassy staff at this meeting. And he said, and, and I started to preach and speak the word. And he said, and suddenly, the, he says, the power of God hits me prophetically. I started prophesying over the, the ambassador to the Ivory Coast. And he's just sitting there with his head in his hands, weeping, saying it's not possible that anyone could know this unless God had revealed it to him. He said he just pointed to cripples and said, stand up and walk. And cripples started standing up and walking. So it was such a powerful meeting. And I said to him, brother, this is what I feel. He turned around and he said to me, Prophet, I believe this is where you are going. And this is where ACF is going. God is raising you up to speak to leaders and to, you know, and things like that. Amen. And um, there's a significance that's coming. But God needs the fruit to draw them. And so we'll unpack this as the years go on. So whether it's me or Andre or J.D. or Shireen or whoever, and Corsi or whoever is preaching, we're going to just be keep preaching about the fruitfulness that God wants us to bring. Amen? So we're going to bear fruit. Is that right? I love it. Just a very quick summary. God wants us to bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit, if you read through John chapter 15. So I said, you're already clean. And then John says this in John chapter 15, verse 4, abide in me. Abide in me. There are certain things that are not conditional. But there's other things that are conditional. And I'll come to the unconditional thing in a moment. But just listen to this. This is conditional. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. The fruitfulness is not going to happen automatically. You know, a lot of times when there's prophecies of the new year, and God's going to do this in this year, and God's going to do this, and there's going to be prosperity, and there's going to be a year of favor, it's going to be a year of overflow. Everybody wanders into the new year, woo, and expect God to do it all. It's all conditional. All prophecy is conditional. Can I have an amen? I know it's disappointing. I know you would rather sit on your blessed assurance and uh, the seat of your understanding and just let God do everything, but it doesn't work like that. Amen? So here Jesus says, you clean because of the word I've spoken to. You clean. I don't need to wash you. Isn't that what he said to Peter? Now let me wash your feet. You're you're already clean. 
but I just, your feet get dusty every now and then. So I just need, that's the trimming, that's the pruning part. Is that okay? Let me just wash your feet. Let me get the dust, the naturalness off the leaves. But here Jesus turns it around and he says, abide in me. You abide in me. You want to bear fruit? Abide in me. And if you abide in me, I will abide in you. Amen. Did he not say it? Does he not say it? If a branch is not bearing fruit, it's like a branch that is separated from the vine and it's thrown away and it dies and it's burned. That's what someone looks like who doesn't abide in Christ. There's going to be no fruitfulness or no increase in fruitfulness unless we persistently, intentionally pursue God and abide in Him. Now, I love what Albert Barnes says in his commentary on this verse. First, let me read the Passion Translation. He says, So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless, Unless you live your life intimately joined to me. Listen to what Albert Barnes says. He's commenting on abiding me. What does it mean to abide in him? He says, remain united to Christ by a living faith. Live a life of dependence on him. Obey his doctrines. Imitate his example." And constantly exercise faith in Him. So it's conditional. It's conditional. Listen to what else He says. He says, abide in me. And then Jesus starts just to elaborate on, on it a little bit. So I'm reading in the verse 5 Passion Translation. I'm the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. I'm the vine, you're the branches, is the King James. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown in the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. So there's two other things that indicate abiding in him. The first one, the first one, he says, is if my words abide in you, if my words remain in you, if you listen to my words, if you obey my word, if you get into the word and obey my word. Stacy came around and her and Bev went for a, their walk and they came back and we we're just chatting about certain things. And Stace gave an, a really good example of, of his word abiding. She didn't know she was giving me a good example, but it's a good example. His word needs to abide in us. Amen? And that vital relationship with the Lord needs to remain. So Stacey said she went shopping, I think it was to the checkers, and uh, she was shopping and put things in. There was a particular thing, what did you put in your trolley? She needed to get some marbles for the kids. So she finds this pack of marbles, sticks it in, and um, she's with her gran. And uh, so everything's rung up and goes through and they put the bags back in the trolley and so anyway they head out and now they're unpacking all the groceries from the bags into the back of the car and just then her grandmother says oh this packet of marbles and it's still in the bottom of the trolley so Stacy's going like oh my word I didn't see it and I didn't put it up and they haven't rung up this little bag of marbles and she said it just ate her you know they were driving home she said it was just eating her up I haven't paid for these marbles you know now, the world would say, you've lost yours. 
if you're going to go back and pay for them. She said, but for days, it just ate her up on the inside. Until eventually she was going back to the checkers. And what she did was she went in, she did her shopping, got a packet of marbles the same. She said to the lady, just ring this up and then I'm going to go and put it on the shelf. The lady's going like, what? <laughs> just ring it up and I'm going to go and put it back on the shelf. She said, no, because the last time I was here, you didn't ring up because I checked the receipt. I didn't ring it up. And now, how many of you know that's the kind of obeying his word thing that God wants? Amen. Amen. Because that will lead to fruitfulness. That doesn't lead to loss. You know, but sometimes we'll justify it and go like, oh, well, they make plenty of money and I shop there a lot anyway, and it's a bit of discount. No, no, it's wrong. Come on, church. And so there is the written word. You don't need the voice of conscience, and you don't need the voice of the Holy Spirit for so many things. It's in the Word. But in the Word, it doesn't tell you return the marbles you didn't pay for. But it does say don't steal. Okay, but we'll justify it. So we need to listen to the voice of our conscience that is educated by the Holy Spirit. We need to listen to the voice of God. Amen. Because the Bible is telling us that will be the route to more fruitfulness if you obey my Word. And so this year, God wants us to be even more fruitful. Listen, you cannot criticize the government. You can't even criticize the president for fala fala if you take the marbles and don't go back and pay. It's the same thing. Amen? What you need to do is go and sew it into your couch or something like that to make... I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Okay. So listen, there are certain things... If you live in life reunion with me and my words live powerfully within you, you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. Church, here's a condition to answer prayers. Abiding in him and abiding in his word. You can't complain my prayers are not being answered if we're not living according to his word. Jesus said you can ask whatever you you want. How many of you know that's fruitfulness? How many of you know answered prayers is fruitfulness? How many of you know that? That a simple thing, when you ask the Lord, Lord, I, I need this, and he does it, that's fruitfulness, and God is glorified. Amen. All right, so listen to this. I love each of you. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. And uh, if you keep my commandments, you will live in my love. Amen. Now, that sounds like a condition to his love. In other words, if you live in my commandments, you show you love me, then I will love you. That sounds like conditional love. But if we look at the verse, it's not conditional love. He says... I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continue to let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commandments, verse 10, you will live in my love. Now, how many of you know whether you live in God's commandments, whether you do his word, whether you abide in him or not, Jesus still loves you? Is that okay? But you will not live in that love. It will be something that is there it won't be manifest in your life. You will not experience the outworking of it. Because listen to what Jesus said. If you keep my commandments, you'll live in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commands, for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. It's living in the experience of his love. Yeah. 
Amen. And living in the experience of his love is the reason why we then obey his word. When we obey his word and keep his commandments, that causes us to abide in him. When we abide in him, that's when the life union, life source, the life flow flows through us. And then fruit is the automatic outcome of that union with him. Amen. So Stacy and Bev were just talking about, remember it was, I can't remember when it was, when we handed out Bible reading plans to read the Bible in a year. And Stacy was going like, yeah, I'm so disappointed. I started off really well. And then I got to June and I lost the plot. So how many of you have experienced that? So it's fine. It's fine. When you come to June and you've lost the plot, just pick it up again. Wherever you end it off, start now again. Start getting back into the word. Amen. So Stace was saying, well, I'm going to read book by book. And I said, that's good. That's what I do. I will take a book of the Bible and I'll read it. I'll take the minor prophets, read them through. Take the shorter books, read them through. The longer books, I will take maybe two or three days to read through. But whatever we do, let's get into the word. Number one. Number two, then let's obey what's in the word. And then number three. Then obey your conscience that's been educated by that word. Amen? Because then you live according to his word. Number four, listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Then the outcomes will be you'll be producing fruit. Amen? Amen? The fruit of the Spirit will be a natural outcome. Answered prayers will be a natural outcome. How many of you know that another natural outcome is when you minister to people, they'll be touched, they'll be healed, they'll be blessed? That's fruit. Is that okay? I love it. I love it. When the Apostle Paul said, I betrothed you to one. And he said, do you not know that you are one spirit with Christ? Amen. Say, I'm one spirit with Christ. I'm one spirit. You know what the blind man that was healed at the gate, beautiful. When Peter and John looked at him and said, silver and gold we don't have, but such as we have we give unto the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Then he took him by the hand and helped him up. And when he took him by the hand, the power of God hit his ankles and he stood up and walked. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because Jesus and Peter were one spirit. So when Peter reached out his hand, Jesus was reaching out his hand. Amen. Because he is one spirit with Christ. When Peter took his hand, Christ took his hand. When he lifted him up, Jesus was lifting him up. There's no wonder the power of God hit him. Amen. But that comes from abiding. It doesn't just happen automatically. Come on, church. We need to be in church. We need to be in worship. We need to be in the Word. We need to be witnessing. We need to be praying for people. Is that okay? So this year is going to be a year of greater fruitfulness. Amen? All right, everybody say after me, I'm going to produce fruit. I'm going to produce more fruit. I'm going to produce much fruit. Fruit in abundance in 2023. Is that okay? So just one verse quickly, Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. Paul talks about us walking right with God, and he says in Colossians 1 verse 10, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. And you know the Word plays such a central role. In Psalm 1, it tells us that we don't walk in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers, etc. He says, but our delight is in his law and we meditate on a day and night. We are like trees planted by rivers of living water. What is that tree doing? Abiding. 
What is it doing? Producing fruit all year round. Revelation 22, 12 kinds of fruit, one for every month of the year. And this is the last verse. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 to 8. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. So in other words, they'll go to his word because he's their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Never. Amen. So church for us, 2023, a year of fruit. A year of fruit. Towards the end of last year, when I was getting ready for the United Kingdom, I was coming in, our staff meetings looked like sending me a WhatsApp in the church and me sending a WhatsApp back, because I'm praying in the church before I went over to the UK. Or I'd quickly pop out, or one of them would quickly pop in, discuss something, they'd go out, and I was praying in here, I'd just be in here for the day praying. And suddenly the Lord spoke to me during that time. And, you know, there was a stage where I was fasting and praying, doing 40-day fasts twice a year. I was praying by the clock 40 hours a week. That's besides praying in tongues in between all my other things. And just suddenly the Lord spoke to me the one day when I was praying, and he said to me, John, I want you to get back to the way you used to pray. So for me, I know that God has called me back into that life union with him because he wants the fruit to increase. Amen? And we saw a dramatic increase in miracles in that last section of the year. I've never seen so many healings and miracles. I'm still getting testimonies from the UK of miracles that of when I prayed for people, like Big Dave with his neck when he was due for the operation and the x-ray, and they say, no, you don't need the operation. Amen. Come on. Amen. And in 2004, when I was deathly sick after experiencing that stroke, my pastor's wife, um, advanced in years now, when she heard about it, she sent me a verse. She started to pray for me. She sent me a verse. And that verse was, I think it's from Revelation 10. And that verse says, you will prophesy again to kings and to peoples. And I know when Prophet John, who I prayed for yesterday, said the same thing. He said, Prophet, God's taking you high. You're going to start prophesying to parliamentarians and things like this. Come on, we want to touch lives. We want to make a difference. Amen. And so there's a fruitfulness that God is drawing us into, but he's going like, hey, hey, you're going to be much more fruitful in 2023, but it's conditional. My love for you is not conditional, but the fruitfulness is conditional. It's revelational. It's relational. And then it's reciprocal because if you abide in me, I will abide in you. Amen. Father, we just want to thank you for your word to us and your word for 2023. Lord, it's going to be a year of abundant fruitfulness. Amen. Abundant fruit, of Amen. fruitfulness. Lord, we're going to go from bearing fruit to more fruit. We're going to be going from more fruit to much fruit. 
Lord, we're going to be going from much fruit to abundant fruit in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to place us strategically. You're going to displace your wisdom through us. Lord, your intent is going to be made known and shown to the world. Father, I want to thank you. Your great kindness and grace, besides your manifold wisdom, is going to be demonstrated. But Father, I want to thank you that your power will be demonstrated through the fruit that is born out of us as individuals and as a church, as ACF. And Father, I want to thank you that Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So Father, we say this year you are going to be glorified. In and through the lives of every believer in ACF, you are going to be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, while your hands are in the air, I want you just to respond. And I just want you to make a commitment. If you feel like this is a word that God has spoken to you, and listen, you don't even have to feel like it. It is a word because it's in the Bible. But I want you to respond to it and say, Father, I want to respond to this word. I want fruit to come out of my life, much more effective fruit. So listen, church, it includes prosperity. It includes increase in your business, in your salaries. It includes abundance and favor in every way. Because if God is glorified by your life, the Bible shows us, Jesus showed us, that he reciprocates. He comes to us. So there will be a greater degree of favor. So, Father, Lord, we want to respond to your word. When Jesus shared this, he shared it with the disciples for a response. In other words, you're saying, continue to abide in me. Continue continue in my word and that way you'll be continuing in my love and experiencing it so father we respond and we say this year we will abide in you we'll let your word abide in us we will abide in the consciousness of your great love that you purchased our salvation from father we will abide in it in jesus mighty name and father we want to thank you Already we are clean. Already you have been glorified. But you're going to receive greater glory in 2023. In Jesus' name. Father, I'm just praying, Lord, that the fruitfulness that we will experience will be no sickness. And so, Father, I thank you that as we step out of 2022 and that we're into 23, we step out of sickness. We step out of being broke. We step out of poverty. Lord, we step out of depression and confusion. We step out of hopelessness. Father, we cross over into that life union, life with Jesus Christ. And Father, that we step into something greater that we've ever experienced before. Lord, into your perfection, because you said unto the perfect man, unto the full measure of the full stature of Christ. And Father, we thank you that that's our portion. We pray that for every member of ASEP, all those who are away today, all those that are on holiday, we pray the same thing for them in the wonderful name of Jesus. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.